from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. Today, I'm playing a telephone interview with Jim Dennis. In addition to his day job as an occupational therapist, Jim is a musician. His first CD is called Ten Fingers, Six Strings. We sample the pieces from this CD in our interview. I started the interview by asking Jim where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. Yeah, I grew up in Daly City, California, which borders San Francisco. Yeah, I'm currently 41 years old, so we you know, spent uh, all of our lives there. I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. My dad was an engineer, San Francisco Hilton Hotel, you know, went to work every day. And my mom was a great stay-at-home mom and you know, took care of us in the house, things like that. We went to Our Lady of Mercy Catholic School right around the block from us. I went there for eight years and you know, had a great time and met great people and had real good experiences there. At that time, you know, finishing up in eighth grade, all my friends were going to the Catholic high school all over San Francisco. And, and I remember telling my mom, saying, Mom, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I think I need to take a break from... Uh, you know this whole the whole religious teaching thing, and uh, it just wasn't for me at, at the time. And I just ended up going to the local public school, and I had a great time, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. And um, but I was pretty much agnostic <laughs> during that. After you know leaving eighth grade, I just kind of wanted to drop religion. I wasn't uh, the way they taught me didn't make sense to me, so I I, I didn't have an alternative. So I said, well. I'm not a disbeliever, but I'm just going to be agnostic for a while until something becomes clear later in life. <laughs> so how did your parents feel about that? My dad, he was uh, not a religious person. He never talked about God or anything. He just you know, sent us to the school. So uh, he didn't seem, he was indifferent towards anything religious, you know, neither for or against. He just never talked about it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom didn't seem to have a problem. I think she was moving away from the church herself. So I, I don't think that was too big of a deal that, you know, she saw that we maybe we all need to do our own thing at the time. And when did music become a part of your life? Can you remember? Thank you. You know, I was uh, thinking the other day that I was a part of those clubs, you know, where they would, even as a kid, like in fourth or fifth grade, I signed up for the, the music things where they would send you the CD, not CD, the tapes. <laughs> they would send you tapes in the mail and you signed up for the clubs. And I just remember doing that and uh, always into music. But I never played it, though. I never had a lesson. Nobody ever taught me an instrument or anything until I was um, about 25 years old, believe it or not. My brother and my sister took a guitar class, <laughs> and I came home once, and I remember laughing at them. I go, you guys are taking the guitar? You don't know anything about guitar. They go, oh, here, you can, don't worry, we'll show you. So they taught me how to play a chord, and I played it, and I said, you mean that's all you have to do? <laughs> mm. 
put your fingers here and play and music comes out and so after that I was hooked I, you know this one one chord and I said oh my god I have to do this and and I pretty much dedicated it, you know every day to it since then and what what kind of music were you listening to growing up I think you know a lot of it was really varied uh, motown things and um there was some rock and roll and what was then metal but it wasn't but <laughs> uh even rap was starting to you know be in the uh on the airwaves i was pretty open to everything i still am i mean my music collection is is a world music collection i i don't say no to anything and i'll listen to anything once and i think that's good for you to do that so you're an occupational therapist yes did you figure out that's what you wanted to study after high school? After high school, I thought I was going to be a plumber. Okay. <laughs> I, I was kind of done with school at, at that point. I was like, you know, wanted to take a break and maybe do things with my hands or um, construction or join a trade in San Francisco or something. But, you know, I believe God definitely was guiding me the whole time because everything that I tried, either it didn't pan out or... I couldn't sign up for it, or I missed the test by a day or by one point. So everything, and finally I said, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. So, you know, I took a class at the community college, and uh, I said, wow, this is actually pretty easy. All you have to do is show up and listen and learn, and they give you grades, and my parents don't bother me, and uh, I think I'm going to do this for a while. So went to the community college, and then... You know, I really started gravitating toward healthcare type things, just improving my own health, and lifting weights, and studying things like that. Mm-hmm. And then came across occupational therapy. It's kind of funny. I took a test where it's like an aptitude test, if you will, like a career career class, and that was one of the choices that came up after I took the test. And I had never heard of it, Warren. It's kind of a kind of a funny thing. But I, I kept studying it and, and looking at it and talking to people, and, and I was convinced after you know a while that this just felt right. I, I think this is my my path that I'm supposed to help people through therapy. And how long have you been an occupational therapist? Uh, this is 15 years now. And when did God enter back into your life? When uh, I had my daughter. <laughs> You know, that happens to a lot of people when they first have children. They kind of re-examine priorities and you know, what's important. And I remember studying people like Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins. And these guys, I used to listen to their audio cassettes as I was driving to and from school. So kind of educating myself in that way, you know, like... Um, self-improvement type of things and and I really loved and admired and respect these people and, and I wanted to kind of be like them and and help people and and the one thing they had I didn't was that they had God in their life and they, they mentioned thankfulness to God and and I said well, I don't have that and if I wanted to be like them I think that's something I'm going to have to incorporate so the combination of those things got me started again. And how is it that you ran into the Baha'i faith? 
I, I read a book called Conversations with God. I know you're familiar with that. I was sitting at my mom's table. I think it was maybe around 25 or so. And this helped me to, you know, re reevaluate what is God, who is God, what is a, a person's relationship with God uh, in a whole new light. And I think that book did a lot for a lot of people in that way to look at it in, in a new light. So after that, I said, you know what, I think I can, I can do this. I think there is a God, and I think we all talk to God in a way. And studying it from that perspective and saying, you know, I'm going to be open now and start uh, learning from different people and religions and not judging. And so did that for a while, and I finally went to my wife one day and said, honey, I really think we have to do something spiritual on an organized level. And, you know, up to that point, my wife and I had never had religious discussions. We never talked about God or what is our thought on this and that. You know, she looked at me kind of funny, like, well, why now? You know, why? And she, because, you know, she wasn't ready to maybe go down that road at that time. But I said, well, let's just look around. You know, let's, let's maybe go to a church here and there and, and read a book and talk to people. So she was okay with that. So about six months later, after going through trials of different, looking at different religions and talking to people at work, as uh, part of occupational therapy, I go to people's homes. That's what I actually do all day long. I drive to people's homes and provide rehabilitative services uh, to the elderly specifically. And so there's an elderly couple, Jim and Carol Matthews, fantastic people who passed on to the next world at, at this point now. But uh, I had been there several times. We always had a good time you know, helping them. And up on the wall, they had a plaque. And I had noticed, noticed it, and I asked him, I said, what's that plaque? She says, well, that's from our faith. And I said, oh, well, what's that? And she, of course, says, well, that's, that's from the Baha'i faith. And it was the greatest name. It's a very common Baha'i symbol that a lot of people have in their homes, and they put it really high, the highest point in the home. And I said, Baha'i? What's Baha'i? <laughs> I've never heard of Baha'i. How can this, you know, wonderful... What would be seemingly it's uh, you know just a regular Christian couple that you know you would assume that, and how can they be a part of something? And I've never heard of it, so I felt a little bit excited and dumbfounded. But they didn't really teach me anything at that point. They just said, "Well, here's a magazine," so they gave me a Baha'i magazine to to leaf through, and and that was it. I mean, they didn't press or teach or anything. But I went home and read it, and I definitely liked what it had to say. And then, remarkably enough, two weeks later, at a festival, kind of like a community uh, strawberry festival in a town nearby that we had never been to, or since, <laughs> and then they had a booth there. And part of the pamphlets in the booth, there was Baha'i literature. And so I said, Baha'i? Again? And so I picked up the pamphlet and started fumbling through. I didn't talk to anybody, though, at the time in to this day, I don't know if it was a Baha'i booth or it was just a general religious booth or what, but if anyone hears this interview, call me if that was you <laughs> in Roseville. But again, looking through, I said, God, this is two times, and I really like what they said. Go on the Internet, find who's the local contact, contacted her. She called me, went to, within a few days, went to a fireside at uh, another friend's home that they had in 
to this day, you know, I remember every single moment of that day, you know, stepping into their home, seeing their faces, seeing the things on the wall, the conversations we had. It really was just quite an amazing night. And then what happened? There's a great feeling of joy, peace, and love. <laughs> to this day, those the four people that were in that home, they're like my best friends on earth, the Yavrams and Delisles. And they were just, you know, so gentle, so kind, answered every question without a hitch. Um, and just really hit it off with these people. Uh, just amazing. And I, I came home really late, and for like about midnight. And for me, late is 9 o'clock. People who know me, I, I rarely stay up past 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, but I was just on fire. I mean, so much energy and, and excitement. And I remember coming home, and my wife was really mad at me because she didn't, she didn't come. And she said, where were you? What's going on? Who who are these people? How come you're out so you know all these things? Because it's really out of my character to do this. I said, "Honey, you have to meet these people. These people are fantastic. We have to go back. Let let's be open-minded to this." You know, so she's a little bit of a skeptical person initially, so we have to coax her along. But and after that, it was fantastic, and we just kept going to more uh, gatherings, firesides, and just meeting and hanging out, and it was. Um, pretty easy after that. I mean, to me, it all fell into line. But we didn't quite declare, if you will, for four years, and not to be, not because we didn't love everything about it, but because it wasn't really pressed. So we were doing all the Baha'i things uh, all along. Both you and your wife? Yes. I mean, she was on board pretty you know, pretty soon after me, and she, she took off too, and she's equally in, in love and excited about all Baha'i things. And um, it's just been what a blessing, you know, that your your whole family's on board with that, and uh, it's it's just a peaceful, amazing feeling. Well, let's talk about your music. When did you first start recording? That the Ten Finger Six String album was inspired by my love for Hawaii and Hawaiian music. I remember hearing my first Hawaiian, what they call slack key, you know, when they change the tuning, and, and the one guy is making, like, a sound as if he's playing three guitars at once. <laughs> and I was so amazed and jealous by that. I go, how is this person possibly doing that? And so I really, you know, set my mind to that. You know, I got kind of a little bit bored with just playing regular old guitar chords and scales and things like that. So I wanted something more exciting where... Um, just using all my fingers at at the same time. So just started really experimenting, changing the tunings on the guitar and there's, you know, hundreds of ways you can retune a guitar, which most people never even venture on doing. They just keep it in standard tuning. But uh, I would um change the tuning and just start feeling around for melodies and chords and you know, something would just feel right. It would just resonate and, and vibrate in, in, in your heart and your gut. And you go, wow, that's it. I have to I have to keep doing that and keep playing that and developing that uh, that sound at that moment. But that was a, a while back when we first started doing that. And that was before you had fancy you know, recording things and you know, just doing the best you can with the equipment that you have. I... I took those things and quote-unquote remastered it to the best of my ability using the software I have to clean it up and uh, and then put it out as a, an official CD on the uh, band camp there. So uh, I'm really excited to share that with people. 
And I'd like to share the music from there when we get to it, but you have other recordings as well. Why don't you describe those? Well, the other one that I've been working on and is also out too, it's called Spreading Rays of Light. And when we first started Ruhi classes, Ruhi is basically a study circle. It means, you know, you take the writings and it's broken down in bits and parts and you talk about it and go through it. So that's what the Baha'is use as a study circle. But anyways, part of that is the facilitator, the, the leader of the group at that time, asks you to memorize things. They want you to know these quotes. And I had a really t- a hard time with it. I struggled with that. I said, well, why do I have to do that? <laughs> why can't I just look it up when I need it? But, of course, there's great wisdom in everything they teach. And, and the more quotes you have available you know, at the tip of your tongue, the more likely you can implement them into conversations with people. And so of great wisdom in that. But I always thought, you know, I need to hear this in a song. Then I'll remember it. <laughs> But uh, at the time, I remember begging my Baha'i friends for music. I said, where's the Baha'i music? I need to hear modern Baha'i music. In that, and that would really excite me and fulfill me. But it just wasn't, either there wasn't or it wasn't available or the recordings weren't great. I don't know. But So I just started doing it myself and, and trying to put these words into songs, taking my love for the guitar and the love for the Baha'i faith and trying to make some melodies and memorable um, patterns, if you will. And then there's a third CD that you made. Well, that one's more for fun. <laughs> that one I call Digital Flamenco. I took the songs from the uh, Ten Fingers, Six Strings instrumental guitar, open tuning, and I, you know, you have all these amazing processors you can use now on the uh, garage band digital audio workstation thing and running it through a flamenco guitar sound <laughs> with with echoes and I said well I want to see what that sounds like if I did that and and I liked it I thought it was fun so it takes the same songs that are on that but it sounds like brand new songs because you're running it through a different uh, instrument with echoes and things so I hope people enjoy that. So let's do a retrospective of your CD, Ten Finger Six Strings. Uh, You have a number of pieces on there, so why don't we just take them one at a time and maybe you could give us some background on each of these pieces. And the first one is Blue Rock. And maybe you could tell us how you came up with the title Blue Rock and what should people listen for when they listen to this piece? You know, when you name these instrumental songs, Warren, it's really a a fun process and a funny process when when I was younger and I look at these instrumental pieces that people have done, I say, well, why do they call it that? You know, Red Alligator. What is that? (laughs) And what does that have to mean? So the Blue Rock... That was one of the first ones I ever did. I, I just, you know, listened to it over and over. And to me, it was, in my mind, at least it's a mixture of blues type of music and maybe a little bit of rock type of music mixed together. So, and, you know, every time you listen to a song, it, it makes you think of something different. So I don't, when I hear this song, I, I literally see myself, like, for instance, in Yosemite, 
sitting by a giant uh, boulder and, and as the, the creek is you know rushing by you and for me that's what what conjures up in my mind so you know sometimes the danger of describing some of these songs to you yeah yeah i understand but it, it helps for folks to get a sense of where the artist is coming from yeah thank you so much yeah all right so this is jim dennis playing his piece blue rock Do you want to pick uh, the next one? Yeah, what? we can do Cousin, Cousin Steve and like Tommy. I, I, I can tell a little bit about those. All right. Well, why don't you start with Cousin Steve? 
Thank you. Cousin Steve literally was my cousin, Stephen. And unfortunately, um, Stephen, in his 30s, developed uh, a brain cancer, a very, of course, serious brain cancer. And he fought like heck, and um, unfortunately, it got the better of him. But, you know, about a, six months before you know, he passed, they had a, a really great party for him, you know, life celebration. You know, his family said, well, we don't know what's going to happen, but we want to get everyone together. So San Francisco rented a huge hall in the church and literally hundreds of people there. And they're just celebrating his life. And it just really, really inspired the heck out of me and the way he composed himself and the whole time. And I just wish I had a picture of Cousin Steve I can put up on the internet because he has the best smile in the world. Everyone will attest to that. And he really had nothing but love in his heart. So, you know, after he passed, I just remember sitting down and thinking about him and his life, just the journey he went through. So I try to take people, um, even myself, on a journey of the highs and lows of, of life. And so I really hope that helped him and his family just to hear that song, maybe. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Cousin Steve.
Now, the other piece you mentioned was Like Tommy. So tell us about that one. Uh, Warren, are you familiar with Tommy Emmanuel at all? No. Why don't you tell us about him? Okay, this guy, amazing. Everyone should look this person up. Tommy Emmanuel. In my eyes, the greatest guitar player I've ever seen. I saw him live twice in all the albums and everything. He is the epitome of the finger picking. Um, not the singing. He doesn't. He very rarely sings, but amazing gift. Uh, like Chet Atkins was his hero. Um, Tommy Emmanuel is from Australia and tours the world. So if you ever see him, you will never be disappointed. But I remember I, we went to San Francisco and I saw him and I was just flabbergasted by this man's skill. He never looks at the fretboard. Amazing. How does he do all this? Never looks at the fretboard. Anyway, I remember being so excited, but I also remember at the end of the night being really depressed (laughs) because I said to myself, oh my God, this is possible on the guitar? And I'm not even one one millionth near what this guy can do. So I was kind of in a state of guitar depression, which most guitarists I talk to, they're in the same uh, feeling. <laughs> they get depressed. So I said to myself, you know, I don't know if I can play like this guy, but I'm going to do the best I can to be like Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Emmanuel, and, and use his inspiration to have my fingers do magical things. And so um, I really enjoy listening to that. And so do people seem to like that one. More so. (laughs) All right. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Like Tommy.
So, Jim, what piece would you like to share next? How about a recovery? Okay, great. Tell us about that one. Recovery was inspired by um, someone very close to me who was having a really hard time in life at the time in regards to addiction. And, you know, the way that addiction affects the person and the people around them and just how frustrating it is and the ups and downs. And and part of you thinks, you know, what can I do? I I can't get inside this person's head and body and change them. But maybe the best I can do is pray for them. And the best I can do is not judge them and do what I can to help inspire them. So I sat down and put that piece together and played it for the family at one event and asking them, please, let's pray for this person and help them to overcome this addiction. And so I don't know, I can't attribute to that, but that that person who we love is doing really well now and, and they're over those addictions and they're moving on and they have new career opportunities and their family is stronger. And so it's just an important song for me. So is there anything about that song that we should look for as we listen to it? Yeah, I think there's a tinge of sadness in there. and you can You can hear maybe some sadness and frustration. But then I also hope that there's some parts where people can see that you're recovering from those. You're bursting out of that at times and um, trying to find peace in the end. Hopefully it ends in a peaceful way. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Recovery.
Jim, you got another one for us? Well, the, well let's, let's do the Bosch because that's a Baha'i one. <laughs> All right, go ahead. The Bosch, of course, is the name of the Baha'i Retreat Center in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And it's a very important place for me and my family. Going there is when you have family time and you're away from cell phones and TVs and computers. You're in 80 acres of redwood trees. The ocean is right over the horizon. Uh, They have beautiful cabins for you to just relax and say prayers. And, you know, both my daughters were recently there for the summer camp. Actually, my daughter was there when her 13-year-old summer camp, and so we got to go there literally a few days ago. And so every time you go there, you get spiritually rejuvenated. It's almost a guarantee all the wonderful classes and people, everybody's happy, you eat good food. It's just an unbelievable place that um, everyone should go to. So I was there one day, you know, just took the guitar out in the forest there and sat on the bench where nobody bothered me. And and that just came to me, this tune, if you will. And uh, So I, I said, well, I have to name it Bosch because I was here at Bosch when, when it was inspired. So. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Bosch.
Jim, which one would you like to share next? Uh, how about Borders? Okay. Yeah, Borders, you know, that's such a mixed word. You know, we're having border wars and the borders between languages and borders in our lives, in our house. I mean, we're, there's always some kind of a border, something that boxes us in and keeps us apart from each other or nature. So I know this one sounds a little flighty, but that's what just came to mind. Again, that's one of those ones where I just played it, and then after kind of reviewing it, I get that's just what came to my mind. Is like, well, you see, well, we need borders, but then maybe there's too many, and who gets to decide where the border should or shouldn't be? Or so it's kind of one of those things where it's not. The right or wrong, but let's just examine borders in our lives, I think. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Borders.
All right, Jim. So we may have time for one more here. Which one would you like to share with us? How about, uh, I guess we're going to do um, Mysterious Progression. Okay. Yeah, that I, that one, it just sounds like a mysterious song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, there's a mystery behind it. Like, why is he writing this? But then the progression literally is a progression. I mean, it, it starts, you know, one chord and just keeps advancing chord to chord to chord and not, you know, repeating the same chord, just keeps moving on. So... I'm a huge fan of progressive music, meaning where you start one way and you just keep going. Not the traditional kind where it just keeps going in circles, right? You play chord one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And so that's what's kind of fun about a lot of these instrumentals that you can just keep advancing and progressing them. And so the Baha'i faith is a mysterious progression to me. (laughs) There's plenty of mysteries that uh, Baha'u'llah, uh, the founder, and his son, Abdu'l-Baha, have helped to reveal to me thousands of mysteries, things that you had no answer for. But now that you read Baha'i writings, you have some of these answers. Uh, but then you don't, because then there's more. <laughs> and then you realize, wow, there's even things more mysterious that you never even contemplated. And, of course, the progression is the progression of the religions and the progression of mankind, the progression of society, the progression of all of the prophets of God. Uh, so it's a, a mysterious progression that we've been living through and will continue to live through. And it's a fun thing. I think we always need mystery and we need to have something that we're looking for and searching for. It makes life more enjoyable. Well, can you expound on this idea of progression of civilization, progression of religion uh, from a a Baha'i perspective? Yeah, looking at the Baha'i faith, you know, it really does change everything. (laughs) Once you learn some of these concepts, it just changes everything. And for me to see that, you know, before you might just judge the past in a certain way or the Bible or these old holy scriptures or why did they do that why did they behave in such why would god allow something like this to happen but when you see that it's everything fits in the giant plan if you will that things had to happen in a certain way and we had to progress as a society from maybe simplistic rudimentary things to more advanced complicated things and in the future it'll be a thousand times different and they'll they'll say that what we're living in was the prehistoric and so to to be a part of the Baha'i faith is exciting to me to know that there is no end that it is there was no beginning and there's no end but it yet it progresses and so I love that concept of that and that's helped me a lot with my thoughts of the progression of the next world that uh, my soul is going to progress it doesn't become stagnant and sit in limbo somewhere, if you will, it progresses. And this is, to me, it's so exciting. And so we can see that in the lives of our children, and they progress in the lives of um, all the religions. They're constantly progressing. They're not always practicing the same things. Even within religions, they're changing. And so um, this is what brings to mind that idea. So this is Jim Dennis playing his piece, Mysterious Progression.
Spreading Rays of Light is your most recent CD. Do you have any idea what you want to do next in the area of uh, recording? I have a whole stack of other Baha'i songs that, that we put together. And so we're going to try to ask some of the friends, you know, to help join, be more collaborative. The, the Spreading Rays, I did all myself and all the instruments, all the lyrics, everything. Those you know, labor of love, I've enjoyed every minute of it, but I also want to see if we can invite more friends to participate and spread the word around. You, my big goal, Warren. I know this is lofty, but I should I come into some kind of uh, an allotment of money, if you will. You know, everyone has that dream. If you had such and such money, what would you do? I literally would open a Baha'i music studio. <laughs> 100% Baha'i, it would be state-of-the-art, every last recording thing you could ask for. We would set up an endowment fund for all of the uh, Baha'i artists around the world, and they would come and stay at the retreat center and record music for free and put it out to the world in all the genres and languages. And so uh, this has been on my mind for years and years, and, and I pray God will uh, bring that to, um, to the forefront sooner than later. Jim, thank you so much for sharing your life and your work with us. Thanks. I'm a huge fan of Baha'i Perspective, and uh, I pray it continues to go for many lifetimes. <laughs> thank you, Jim, very much. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jim Dennis, an occupational therapist and musician. You can find this interview and other interviews at www.abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.